Hey, welcome everybody to episode 16, where today we're going to be talking about why financial disasters can teach us a valuable lesson. But first, a word from our sponsor. Okay, so a few years after the financial crisis in 2007-2008, uh, the financial crisis really kind of led up in 2006, 2007, really saw the signs in 2007, but took its biggest impact in 2008. I started working for an investment firm, and this investment firm played an independent film called Inside Job. If you haven't seen it before, I highly recommend you watch it. There is a quote in there from the billionaire George Soros, and he made a very compelling case in this film. And what he was mentioning he was comparing the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act, which occurred in 1999, that made the financial markets very unstable. And so what he does is he takes, before this act was enacted, he compared how the financial markets prior to this bill is very similar to, a, to an oil tanker. Because oil tankers have safety measures to protect the fuel from sloshing around. They realize the dangers that, like if you have an oil tanker in the ship, If you have one big massive tank for fuel, the oil, the fuel will slosh around and it causes very unstable ability for the ship to navigate, makes it unstable. And so what they've done is they started compartmentalizing these fuel tanks. So think of this big, large, massive tank and then breaking them up into smaller compartments. So now what you have are several tanks where the oil doesn't slosh around as much and makes the ship more stable. That's kind of how the financial markets worked. You know, in 1933, we had what's called the Glass-Steagall Act. This was kind of a result of the Great Depression that we saw in 1929 that lasted through the 30s. And the whole point of it was to restore confidence in the banking system. And so what it did is it separated how funds are commingled. So basically, you couldn't put savings funds with investment funds and really limited banks and how they could touch money. Because what happens now? You deposit your money into a bank. The bank then has free will to use that money to invest it to earn interest off of it. And they are highly promoted from the Federal Reserve to lend that money out. So they keep very little money on hand. Typically, I think the rule used to be 10%. It's changed here after the 2008 crisis. And so what happens then, which the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act of 1999 came through, started removing those compartments, making that tank bigger. That's kind of how we ended up going to the 2007-2008 financial crisis. It was deregulation of the markets. Now, I'm not saying deregulation is bad, but what this did, it pushed a lot of power from the government over to the financial sector. And it caused instability. In the movie Inside Job, while some say it gives a one-side perspective, to a certain degree it does because it really hits hard on the financial sector, but kind of lets the government get away from its own accountability. Both sides are equally responsible, and both sides equally failed in this. But there's a great job showing the financial sector and how all these acts led up to the instability of the markets because of their greed and because of the gambling. And so once you kind of watch that, kind of take a look at that because 
What I really like from this, and I wrote a blog on it, so if you go to dollarotter.com forward slash blog, you'll read a little bit more about it. But it got me thinking about what if we did the same thing, but instead of having compartments to no slash around fuel regulations, what if we were able to build income but in separate compartments? And that's exactly what I've done here in Dollar Otter and have really been focused on the last couple of years. Because there are several different ways of how I make money, how I earn extra income besides my primary job. And so the first one I want to talk about, that's why I want you to go to the blog because I put links in there where you can go to it and then start doing this for yourself. Because what I'm trying to do is here out in the future, I can't work forever, right? And when now, one day I'm going to have to retire or my health may give out. So I need to have ways to compartmentalize my income to where if my primary income fails, I have these other compartments to keep the ship afloat. And that's how you need to be thinking. To me, people are reliant on just one income. And so when they get laid off, they have to fall to unemployment or maybe social security. You're put in a very awkward position because now you're having to rely on some entity or some government organization versus something you created and something you've built. And that's really what I've been focusing on here the last two years and I'm going to continue to do for the next 10 to 15, 20 years. So the first thing that I do is I am a contributor to Shutterstock, which is a photography app where bloggers, businesses go in and they pay for photos. Now I haven't been doing this very long, actually less than a year, but I bought a Canon DSLR on Amazon for about 400 bucks. I took a couple online courses to really figure out how can I take good photos. And it started off as a hobby, to be honest with you, because I love kayaking, I love being outside, I love being outdoors, and really wanted to kind of master this. So it's kind of like a hobby. You know, it's a good way to kind of to de-stress and get away from things, but also record events in my life that I can share. So I came across this website, and long and behold, I started taking photos and posting onto their website, and I've been selling these photos. And so by doing this, while it won't make me a millionaire, it does add an extra $50 to $80 per month in income. Not too bad for photos, right? And that's just one compartment. And it continually grows, you know, as long as I keep updating the content and material. And so over time, you know, it could be a lucrative business. I've met people who make two to $3,000 to $3, per month just doing this alone. My second compartment that I do is Amazon Kindle Direct Publishing. I write and I sell ebooks. I don't do this every time, like every single month or every couple months, but I try to produce one, at least one every six months. Now you don't have to be some well-renowned artist or author out there trying to write books, you know, where you produce one every 10 years with like a four to 500 page manuscript. But there are people out there who are looking for eBooks, how-to guides, tutorials, and so I've done several of these. I actually have six on Amazon, what's called KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, where I do that. I help these people who are looking for something to read, kind of help guide them and navigate through certain life situations. Now, obviously, my niche is personal finance. And what's great about these is it could be a 30 to 40 page document. It could be any number of pages that you want. And so by using this website alone, they help you format all your pages to where it needs to be, and they also help you out with the book cover. The third thing is, because I have a blog site, I earn income on these two sites a couple different ways. First one's Google Ads, and so by working through Google and posting an ad link over to the side of my website, I earn income when viewers in my audience come to the website and they click on it. 
The other one is gonna be affiliated marketing. Now, like most bloggers, I only promote and offers that I believe in. And there's a couple different companies that I really like, and so I'll work with them. I talk about that a little bit more in the blog itself, but I can earn up to 40% on some of these affiliates that I'm currently partners with. And like I said, I really test these out. I work with these companies closely because they have and they promote products that I believe in. Another one that I'm gonna do is I teach and I sell online courses. Now there's two different platforms I use for this. Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y, and Teachable. These are two platforms. There's other platforms out there, but these are the two that I've really been tinkering with for the last 12 months and I really like it. And it does produce a steady, regular monthly income for me. And so I highly encourage you because even though you may not have a PhD or a master's degree, technology has made it easier than ever for you to get out there and produce something. Maybe you have a certain niche of your own. Think about something that you can do that you could teach others. Are you great at some household chores? Maybe you've learned or created a faster way of folding clothes. Maybe there's a way of how you can change a spark plug in an engine that's really valuable and can save time. All these things you can teach courses on. And what's great about it is that you you basically promote and you teach, excuse me, so what you do is you build the course, which is simple and easy, which is why I like these two platforms because they make the process very streamlined, very simple. Once you build this course, you never have to touch it again. You may have to maintain it if like a student has a question, but you get out there, you promote it online, and you just leave it alone. And then every single month, students are finding these through these platforms and then paying you to take a course. They are paying you to take a course. How great is that? The other thing I do is I sell on Etsy. Now, I refused initially to even touch Etsy because I thought it was more like an artsy, crafty thing. What I've learned is there are so many different entrepreneurs on there who are selling different variety of products. And so what I sell on there are budget templates. So maybe there's something of your own that you can create and you can sell on Etsy. And then the final and seventh step that I do to earn income is dividend and interest income. Now, if you don't have a financial background, don't know how to do this, uh, I wouldn't recommend this step. But if you have a little bit of knowledge where you're investing, maybe you are receiving some dividends. You know, it could be something that I, I recommend you look at first, talk to a financial advisor, financial planner, and then start learning and studying about this. I've been learning about the stock market ever since I was 17 years old. So for almost, uh, I won't say how long, but many, many, many years, I've really been studying this. And over time, you know, I'm just constantly building brick on brick on brick of all these different tools and resources that I've kind of learned. And so now I'm earning that steady dividend income and then interest income as well. So those are my seven different compartments. Like I said, you never want to rely on just one single source of income because in the event something like a financial disaster was to occur, maybe you lose your job, whatever the case may be, you have other compartments that keep your ship steering forward. So that's my little advice for you guys today. I want you to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And until next time, you guys have a wonderful and blessed day. Thank you once again for listening.